Hey, y'all. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of the Shut Up, Get Up podcast. My name is Mike Muldoon. And if you've been with me for a little bit and you've listened to some other shows, one thing about me is that I'm a big quotes guy and I've got quotes all over the place. And um, if you were here in my little nook of knowledge that I record my podcast from, you would actually see I've got several quotes framed around my room. Now, I don't know if I've used this one already, but uh, this is one that's always sort of stuck with me. And it's from the English writer, Sidney Smith. And the quote basically goes like this. A great deal of talent is lost to the world for want of a little courage. Every day sends to their graves obscure men whose timidity prevented them from making the first effort. So I guess today what we're going to talk about is, where does this timidity come from? It's something that usually, you know, occurs to us or, or something happens, you know, through experiences and interactions. And many times it just becomes fear of what others might think or say to us. But, you know, becoming a timid person obviously just takes a long time. It's a lot of uh, experience and things going through, right? So, and what happens is that eventually that becomes part of our internal scripting, a set of beliefs that, you know, become our guiding forces in our lives that eventually determine all of our actions and decisions and ultimately decide whether or not we're going to leave a less or more fulfilling life. Um, you know, to give you an example, um, you know, let's just say this young boy who dreams of becoming a ballet dancer. All right, let's just use that. And But he's too worried about what others might think about his choices in a society that often stereotypes ballet, you know, due to its feminine portrayal and wearing pink t- tutus as something feminine, right? And it, it may just stop him from doing that. And by the way, on a side note, you know, 20% of ballet is actually made up of men. So that's that is a significant portion. But anyway, that's not here nor there. Um or, you know, here's another example, or, you know, a young girl who secretly wishes to write, but takes a job in marketing because, well, you know, that's what her family believes is best for her. So she doesn't defy them. She cowers and accepts their input into her life, not hers. But the thing is, there are hundreds of reasons why people do the things that they don't want to do and never achieve the lives they want to live because of the thoughts or opinions of others that create this sort of timidity to not live the lives that they want. And a lot of times, you know, this all comes to them, whether it's, you know, a one-on-one, you know, conversation or sort of societal. And sometimes those opinions, you know, are forefront and center, you know, like, Julie, there's no money in being a writer. You have bills to pay, take a real job. And sometimes they're just not as apparent, such as an offhanded comment from someone or portrayal in literature or in a movie or something like, hey, man, only girls do ballet. But I guess what I want to talk about today is how do these sometimes off the cuff or in your face remarks, again, some really front and centered and some off the cuff from somewhere else, you know, how do they impact our lives? And that's what we're going to talk about. You know, I've stated in previous podcasts, you know, most people exist in their lives. They're just drifting. You know, the days are just going by, right? They're just passing them by. They think they're living, but they're just existing. But see, the thing is, we weren't born this way. I mean, after all, if you ever paid close attention to a baby or a small child, I mean, I mean, you know, they're they're full of wonder, excitement. Uh, there's nothing timid about them. I mean, when my kids were born, 
Uh, I mean, you, you just watch them just taking it all in, reaching for everything, grabbing everything like it was new, exciting. And more so, they were just there, present, alive, and willing to step into life. But the thing is, as we begin to age and experience things and interact with the world, we begin to write what's called our internal master program. It's our subconscious program. And it's going to be the thing that it's going to be the guidance systems that lead us through our lives where we're going to continually sort of live or fade into the background. So when we think of the mind, right, we tend to view it as one mind. It's where we think, you know, we think, reason, feel, it's our consciousness, it's our imagination, it's where and how we perceive or think about the things that are going on in our lives. We tend to view it as something like, you know, we're consciously aware of all the time, such as what's on your mind? Oh, let me tell you what's on my mind. Or I'm thinking I'm hungry or I'm angry. But see, the thing is, that's only just part of it. See, there's this guy named Sigmund Freud, and some of you may have heard of him, and some of you might be uncomfortable by his name because of the uncomfortable feelings that he probably brought out about between you and your mother. I don't know. It was weird. It was uncomfortable. It was creepy. I never really dug into it. But anyway, the man was brilliant and did a lot for the human mind and its understanding. And what he saw is the human mind is consisting of multiple levels of consciousness, multiple levels of awareness. There was the pre-conscious, the conscious and the unconscious mind. And all of these combined influenced our behaviors and how we're going to interact with the world. So to give you, you know, give an example of each one of them, the the pre-conscious basically consists of anything that is brought into our conscious mind. Okay. It's like our memory bank there. So like an example might be, you're not thinking about an address or a phone number or something. And, but suddenly, you know, you needed it and it was, you know, readily available and you were able to recall it and you're quickly access it and you bring it into your mind. Okay. That's one of the, one of the uh, benefits of the pre-conscious mind, but it's also acts as something of a guard controlling the information that is allowed to enter our conscious awareness. Okay. So it's kind of that middle point between conscious mind and unconscious mind. Now the conscious mind is something, you know, again, we're all pretty aware of. That is our awareness. That's all our thoughts, memories, feelings of which we're, you know, aware of at any given moment. Like I'm hungry, I'm sad, or anything brought into the conscious mind from the pre-conscious mind. And that's the one that, you know, most time we're aware of. But then lastly, you know, we have the unconscious mind, which is everything outside of our conscious awareness, consisting of our feelings, our thoughts and memories, as well as our feelings of pain and anxiety or fear. Now, the thing about the unconscious mind is it's usually billed as the subconscious minds, but they're different. So the thing is, the subconscious mind is part of the conscious mind but it's not in its focal point yet, right? And it's there that, you know, we've developed these patterns of behaviors. It's there in the subconscious mind is also where we develop, you know, shall I say, a limiting belief system. Now, the unconscious mind and subconscious mind both operate below the surface, but the unconscious mind isn't as easily acceptable, uh, accessible, acceptable, accessible through sort of introspection, 
as is like the subconscious mind, okay? So when we think about the unconscious mind and doing work there, that's when you really have to start thinking about therapy, right? That's why people would go to therapy because in the unconscious mind is something you really have to work to uncover and bring forward, you know, bring forward these memories that might have been repressed through trauma. Um, this might require several treatments and sometimes medications to even help cope with everyday life that these things that are going on in the unconscious mind. And that's kind of where you need a therapist, right? I think we've talked a little about this in the past. There are therapists and then there are life coaches and what the big difference is. So the difference between hiring like a life coach and a therapist is that coaches work in the subconscious mind, you know, a place where it's easily to fix more patterns of behavior, fix programs and work to change them. A therapist works in the unconscious mind, which requires more work, right? You know, coaching is a want for many people, Therapy is a need for people. You know, therapy is, you know, people seek therapy. It helps people operating at subnormal levels try to get back to normal. Whereas coaching for people is, hey, man, I'm okay, but I just want to maximize my potential and sort of, you know, reach higher levels and live a more fulfilling life. Okay. So that's kind of the difference between the subconscious mind and the unconscious mind. But we're going to primarily talk about is where being affected is in the subconscious mind. Okay. Now the subconscious mind is wild because it's how we live our lives on autopilot. See, the subconscious mind is powerful. It controls every physical move, whether it's voluntary or involuntary. It's why we can walk and talk and not consciously have to remind ourselves that hold on for a second. We're walking now. We're talking now because once it onboards stuff and takes them on as programs, you no longer have to think about them anymore, okay? So for instance, driving. Um, there's a great book, and I like, uh, it was The Biology of Belief by Bruce uh, Bruce Lipton. And uh, he, used, I think he used this great example one time. It's like driving, right? So when we first start driving, we get behind, we get behind the vehicle, right? And we are basically um, unconsciously incompetent, meaning we don't really know what we don't really know, right? But eventually, and so that's when you're driving, your hands are on the steering wheel, you're focused on the road, you're looking at everything, you're timid, you know, you're moving the steering wheel a lot, but you're really, really focused. But over time, we become, you know, um, just, it just becomes a program that we just onboard that we can just do. And that's why now you can sort of get into a vehicle, start the car, drive a hundred miles, whatever actually thinking about driving. And you could be thinking about a hundred other things, right? What are you going to do when you get there? Who you got to talk to? What meeting got to be? Get on a phone, have a conversation, do whatever. But never once are you thinking about driving. Ultimately, you've just pro- progressed to basically being you know, unconsciously competent, which basically means that you're not thinking about it anymore, but you can do it. If you just look at how long you've been in existence, I mean, since since the day you were born and all the people you've interacted with, saw things that kind of affected you. I mean, we have been influenced by so many different things that we've onboarded different things, uh, different laws, different rules, um, you know, for, from ones that we're going to hold ourselves to, uh, you know, I'm talking about like these internal ones, like, oh, well, that's good. That's bad. Uh, that's not good. I'm going to stay away from that. I'm not going to think, think that. And the thing of it is like, again, I'm not going to touch a hot stove. Hey, that's a good one. But there are other times where, you know, you just, you, you're onboarding these things and you're living by these rules that are holding you back. 
So the subconscious mind, again, is very powerful. It just allows us sort of interact in the world without having to think about certain things. The subconscious mind also regulates our body systems from eating and breathing, digesting, healing, as well as, you know, making memories. And more importantly, something that we're really going to talk a lot about in the show about, about these programs that we create and how we interact with the world. So if you think about it this way, right? Neuroscience has basically shown that most of our decisions, actions, emotions, and behaviors depend on 95% of the brain activity that lays below our conscious awareness, meaning that 95% of our lives comes from programming in our subconscious mind. And if it's running on autopilot, we have to be careful because there is a danger to being run by faulty programs, Okay, especially if you have poorly scripted internal scripting. All right, because the thing is, everything we do in life, everything that we relate to in life, everything that inundates us throughout the day is ran through our internal scripting and is going to dictate how we are going to deal with it. Now, a lot of times, if you listen to my podcast in the past about, you know, Thoughts, emotions, actions, and results, it's kind of the same thing. A lot of times we're just going to go through it. It's not going to, it's not going to phase us in any bit. But internal scripting is why you can never judge somebody um, from your own experiences because everybody's experiences are going to be different how they're going to relate to a situation. So let's just say a dog. I grew up with dogs. Okay. I had a dog growing up. I like dogs. Dogs are great to me. Right. So when I saw a dog or see a dog, now I'm like, Oh, Hey dog, what's going on? We're for a dog, you know, pet dog, all that fun stuff, dog. But you take somebody who may have had an experience with a dog that wasn't so positive. Let's just say the first time they came around one, you know, a dog, the dog went after them. Well, their whole makeup, their internal scripting now and their reaction to the dog is going to be completely different. It's going to be completely different. And again, that's why it's really important to, you know, when people say you can't judge someone until you walk in their shoes. For me, it's like you really can't judge someone until you've walked in their internal scripting. Okay. So how do we, how do we get these master programs? Where do they come from? Well, again, our master programs begin to be written from the day we, we, we come into existence. Okay. And, and it's just built over time. So whether you have onboarded certain actions, like you touch the hot stove and realizing, whoa, I'm never going to do that again. Or somebody said, Hey, you'll never amount to anything. And you just never try to achieve to amount to anything. And sometimes again, these things just hit us that we don't even realize where they came from. We just uh, onboard them and it becomes part of our, our internal scripting and we just sort of exist that way. We take it on as well and never exist anymore. So you live a life as if you're never going to exist to anything. Now, the good thing about the subconscious mind is that it's malleable. It can be reprogrammed easier. A lot of times you hear people off talking about doing this with affirmations. You know, changing their thoughts, changing their feelings, changing their emotions about who they are. And that's why it's really important too. To be careful how you talk to yourself, you know, your self-talk, or even more your self-think. How you think is just important. You know, because everything that you say and think reinforces your subconscious mind, and it's going to reinforce that scripting that you're living by. So if you're constantly telling yourself, I'm a loser, I'll never get this, that person doesn't want to hire me for a job, I can't make money, I'll never find someone, you're just reinforcing the subconscious mind. It says, great, okay, that's the script we're going to live by, that's the way we're going. 
You know, a perfect example of this is the one probably a lot of us heard. I mean, I, I grew up on Long Island. I grew up in a middle-class family. And a lot of times, you know, when it came to money, people always like, well, money doesn't grow on trees, which suddenly made money seem like it was impossible to get. That you only had to work hard to get money. If you don't work hard, you're never going to get money. Now, I'm not saying money can fall off trees. But, and I'm not just saying you could just sit around all day and get money. But if that's your mindset, that money is so hard then maybe you want to start changing your mindset and start realizing, you know, money's not hard to get. I mean, there's plenty of money out there for everyone. And again, I'm not saying you'll just sit around and it'll just open up to you, but you might realize that if you change your mindset towards it and realize, hey, money's available, it's out there, there's enough for anyone, that, you know, you might realize that you'll start finding more money in your life. I mean... Again, with our subconscious programming, again, if using the money thing as an example, you, you know, you might want to say, why, why do I think this? Why do I believe this? And, and if you do some thinking on your own, you might find out that it wasn't something you just came up with. You weren't just so smart as a child. Because the thing is, most of our onboarding and our internal programming scripting comes from our kids. And I'm pretty sure if anybody else kind of grew up on Long Island, middle class uh, town, you're going to probably discover that that money doesn't grow on trees things was something your parents probably told you, right? But you never looked to question it and you just went, oh, okay. But look, this isn't even about money, all right? Because I know many of people who don't have money who are super, super happy. I mean, heck, I've been one of those people um, at times in my life. I was actually pretty happy. <laughs> but I also lived a block off the beach, so that kind of put some of the challenges of not having money away. But anyway, again, this really isn't just about money. It's about anything in your life. If you're having trouble with your relationships, if you're having trouble in any facet of your life, the first thing you might want to look at is, well, what are my beliefs behind it? You know, what, 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 what beliefs am I having about this situation? Is this really one of my beliefs? I think one of the most damaging ways to see subconscious program and how it's sort of been impressed upon someone is look at children or young people, look at racism. You know, look at, look at how can a kid or a young person hate such a certain nationality so much? You know, one has never interacted with them, you know, uh, or hate certain sexual communities or sexual identities or or just have all this hatred for different types of people that they've never even met. But yet, with, with, with the mention of any of them, it's, oh, they're terrible. Because somewhere in their lives, somebody just told them those people are terrible. So they just have an internal script. Write that right there. Oh, yep, I see one of them. They're bad. Oh, yep, can't trust those people. Can't do it. Nope. They're horrible people. But never even took a moment to discover for themselves whether or not it's true. So again, if your life isn't where it needs to be in certain facets of it, start thinking about your thoughts behind it and then figure out how to change it. Does those thoughts really work for me? If you're somebody who has a problem with other types of people, maybe you've never met them. Maybe you should go out and meet one of these people. Maybe you should get to know somebody in the community. Do something. But eventually you might realize that this internal scripting, this thing you've been living your whole life by, which has sort of been your little blanket, your little comfortable blanket here, isn't serving you well. And a lot of that programming and laws you're sort of existing and living by in your life weren't even yours. They were just impressed upon you by other people. So, 
I want to give you guys an, a perfect example because if, if you're somebody out there who doesn't really understand, I don't understand the subconscious mind, this programming, how does it really work? Here's a great example. You should do this. My wife did this to me. My wife likes to continually remodel and move things around. I don't know if anybody else is married to somebody like this, but this is my wife. And every few months, she likes to move the trash bin. And it's funny because every time I go to throw something out, I don't think about, oh, I have to go throw something out to the trash. I grab it. I start walking across. Yuck, it's not there. I stop. I go back the other way. And I'm, it must take me 50 times before I just, the program gets rewritten in me subconsciously. It says the, gash can, the trash bin's not there. It's over there. Try it. Try it. Move it. And you will laugh the minute, the first time you do it. You will laugh hysterically because you'll see that I'm right. Because you'll just suddenly, you know, thinking about this, what's going on in my life, where I got to be, I got work, I got this, where are the kids at, da, 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 this piece of garbage, got to go. And you'll start stepping towards it and you'll, because you've just programmed yourself for how many years that the garbage can is there. You don't think consciously, okay, I have trash, where am I going to the garbage bin? The garbage bin's there. You just automatically move to it. Like I said, just like you will automatically get behind a car and drive. And it takes some time to rewrite that program. Eventually, I rewrite the program, realize you moved it to the other side of the kitchen. And then once it's set there, it's my new law. It's my new thing. And I just automatically move to that side of the kitchen to throw stuff out. But overall, you can change your belief systems. And again, we didn't talk much about this, but this is what we talk about with limiting belief systems. You can change them. Again, some people do it through meditation. Some people do it through um, uh, uh, reinforcing themselves through words, uh, you know, but sometimes it's just opening up your horizon, meeting more people, interacting with people you might normally not have interacted Having experiences. I have this thing that I like to say. Change something or nothing changes. But if you're struggling in any facet of your life, think about the thoughts behind where you're going. Think about your belief systems. And then wonder, are they really mine? And then work to rewrite those programs. Because sometimes you're writing those programs is just opening yourself up to the new experiences. And once you start rewriting these programs, you'll start seeing it's not hard to sort of rewrite the other ones. And before you know it, you might actually start living that life that you've always dreamed for yourself. Get up.